You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Deuteronomy 2, 24 says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart and all your soul. Isaiah said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Wait a minute, while he may be found? Sounds like there might come a time when God can't, man can't find God. I don't know. Hold on to that thought. We'll talk about that in a minute. God is close. Call upon his name. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will be found. Knock and the door will be opened. Have you ever felt like the Lord has forgotten about you? In today's message, Pastor Dave talks about how when you seek after the Lord, He will reveal Himself to you. When you call out to Him in a time of need, He will provide. He has not forgotten about you. Just call out to Him and He will eagerly respond. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 17 as he continues his message, The Unknown God. Peter, speaking of God's goodness and divine power, says this in 2 Peter 1.3. As his God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has supplied us everything we need to live the Christian life. God has given us everything for life and godliness. He's given us all the things we need for the abundance of this Christian life. And this abundant life only comes from the knowledge of God. Man will tell you what you need to do to succeed. Man will tell you what you need to do to get better, to get happy, to take care of all your problems, to take care of your debts, to take care of this, to take care of that. Man will tell you all those things. Go to a self-help store or a self-help aisle of the bookstore and look. Actually, it's not one aisle. It's about 19. How to, how to, how to, how to. Life for dummies. There's a a how-to book on everything. Man will tell you exactly what you need to know. Why would I trust man? Why would I trust in what man has to say? I can't trust in man because through God's word, I draw closer to him and I get more knowledge of him. And he has given me all things for life and godliness. Only he knows exactly what I need because he is ever with me. God has given me everything that pertains to my spiritual life, a life of godliness, a life of abundance that only comes through knowing him. How important do you know God? How do you get to know God? You get to know God through his revelation in his word. God has revealed himself to us in his word. We talked about the word speaking of Jesus Christ. God reveals himself to us and directs us to his son, Jesus Christ. When Paul told the Greeks this, it completely wiped out the religious system. It completely decimated it. 
Paul's saying it's God who gives you what you need. He gives you all things for life. He gives you all things for godliness. He gives us the air we breathe. He gives us the breath we take. James says that he's the source of every good and perfect gift in James 1.17. Matthew declares that God gives us life and he sustains that life by his goodness in Matthew 5.45. The apostle Paul would later write to the Roman believers that it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance in Romans 2 verse 4. But the Greeks were guilty of worshiping the creation rather than the creator. They glorified man instead of God because they were ignorant. They didn't know God. This is true today, folks. Man is being lifted up. God is being pushed aside and man is being glorified. Man's way is being glorified and God's way is being pushed to one side. Many, many, many people care more what man has to say than what God has to say. And they've decided to believe the lie. We're placing our apples in the wrong cart. Paul tells the Athenians of God's greatness as a creator. He tells them of God's goodness as a provider. And in verses 26 and 27, he tells them of God's government because he's the ruler of all things. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined that the pre-appointed times, their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each of us. Paul makes a point here by telling these men that God is not a distant God. He's not somewhere far off worried about everything else except you. He's, he's involved in our lives. And he's directly involved in our lives because he made every nation and he determined where the boundaries were for each nation. God did all this. Go back and read the beginning of Genesis. Go back to the Tower of Babel. Go back to all those things and read how God established the nations. He established what was going on. God established all these things. It was God that did this. Not only is he God of creation, but he's the God of geography too. He tells us where the boundaries are. He did this from one man, Adam. So basically, all nations have come from one man. And if you read, if you read the genealogy of nations, you see where from Adam coming through down and then to Noah and his sons, how the earth was populated by that one blood, the same blood. We're all made of the same stuff. It was tough for the Greeks because they thought they were special people. The Greeks thought they were, they, were, they were it. They were intelligent. They were smart. Makes me even more afraid for my beloved United States because we think we're pretty special people. We forget that God gave us this land. And we forget that God protected us in several wars. We forget that. We forget that we were once one nation under God. And we're no longer that. A nation divided will fall. We're no longer under one God. We might as well be the Athenians because there are several gods out there. Just ask anybody. And I'm scared. I'm afraid for my nation, for my country that I love so much, the country that you guys served for, the country that many people died for, died, that we might have these freedoms. There was a time when our president prayed, prayed during their fireside chats. There were a time when everybody mentioned God and everybody knew where God was but man has become the object of our worship. The creation is now being worshipped, not the creator. Paul said, God's not distant. 
He's not far away. He's near. And every man should seek him and come to him in truth. He's actively involved in our lives, and he's establishing the boundaries of men's and nation, men and nations. We are to seek him. Deuteronomy 2, 24 says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart and all your soul. Isaiah said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Wait a minute. While he may be found? Sounds like there might come a time when God can't, man can't find God. I don't know. Hold on to that thought. We'll talk about that in a minute. God is close. Call upon his name. Ask and you will receive. Seek, and you will be fine. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. After discussing the greatness of God in creation, the goodness of God in his provisions, and the government of God, he's the rule over all things, Paul continues and speaks of God's glory. He's our Father. Look at verses 28 and 29. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your poets have said. For we are his, also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. Here, Paul quotes two of their poets. Paul's quoting two of their poets. It's ep- uh, Epimenides. E-P-I-M-E-N-I-D-E-S, Epimenides, and Aratus, A-R-A-T-U-S, Aratus. This is what Paul's saying, according to Warren Wiersbe. Paul was not saying that all people on earth are the spiritual children of God. That is not what Paul's saying. For sinners are God's children only by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, and you can find that in John 1, 11 through 13. But what he's saying is he's affirming the fatherhood of God in a natural sense for man is created in the image of God. That's what he's saying here. He's not saying that we're all children. You get that a lot. Well, we're all children of God. Mm, Not so fast. Not so fast. Not according to Scripture. We may be children of wrath until we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then we become a child of God in the spiritual sense. But since we're all coming from Adam's bloodline, we are all, in a natural sense, children of God in that sense, not spiritual, because we're created in his image according to Genesis 1.26. And according to Luke, in a sense, Adam was God's son. You can find that in Luke 3.38. See, Paul's logical conclusion here is that since God made us in his own image, it's foolish us to make gods in our image. I've said this before that God made man in his own image, and now for centuries, man has been trying to return the favor. We've been trying for centuries to make God into our image. This was all the Greek religion was. It was a manufacture and worship of gods created by man in a pattern after man, and they acted like man. They were made of gold, silver, Artwork devised by man, Paul says. Here, Paul is clearly showing the foolishness of these temples and these shrines and the altars. He's showing the foolishness of the temples and the foolishness of idol worship. This is basically what religion is, folk. It's idol worship. Man-made religion is idol worship because religion is man's attempt to get to God through all these idols and things like that. Religion is man reaching up to God where a relationship is God reaching down to man. God coming to earth as a man, identifying with us. We we can't idolize these things. People idolize statues. They pray to statues. They pray to to other things. They're praying to things in the name of God. This is false worship according to what the word of God tells us. 
Hughes writes this, the apostle's point was that as creatures of intrinsic dignity, having been created by God, men ought to refrain from false worship. Since we are made in the image of God, it is insulting to God and degrading to us to make an idol and then worship the idol as God, unquote. Unfortunately, many churches are doing that today, praying to inanimate objects as if they can help. We're studying this right now in the book of Exodus. We're studying this in the book of Exodus. In fact, the 10 plagues are exactly against 10 Egyptian gods. See, so now Paul has shown these Greeks the greatness of God. He's the creator. He's shown them the goodness of God. He's our provider. He's shown them the government of God. He's our ruler. And he's shown them the glory of God. He's our father. And finally, Paul directs them into the grace of God. He is our savior. Verses 30 and 31. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he has given us assurance to this, of this to all by raising him, that man, from the dead. Obviously, he's talking about Jesus Christ. Obviously, he's talking about Jesus Christ. But now Paul introduces these men to the Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, God has overlooked your lack of knowledge for now. God has overlooked it. Paul says, but now it's come time to repent. Remember our definition of repent? It means to change one's mind. He's telling the Greeks, you need to change your mind about who God is and who is God. You need to change your mind here, folks. You need to recognize your need for him, and as you get close to him, he will show you this great need that you have for him, and he will show you that you need to repent of your sins by confessing your sin, And you need to turn to him through the one, the man, that he raised from the dead, Jesus Christ. This is our insurance, Paul says. This is our insurance, the resurrection. We've talked so many times about the resurrection. We want to do a little extra study and read John 5. I feel that what Paul is saying here is that, hey, guys, I've explained to you about who God is through these things. And guess what? My hands are clean. Now it's on you. I'm telling you who God is. I'm describing God's characteristics. I'm showing you what God is. Now it's on you. I've shown you the creation. I've shown you his goodness, his mercy. I've shown you his government. I've shown you his glory. Now you're without excuse. Excuse. And God is expecting you to repent. He is expecting you. And now he's extending his grace towards you through his son, Jesus Christ. But you must repent of it because this is God's will. And this is where many people get mistaken. Because God has overlooked their ignorance and has not judged them for their sin, nor has chastised them, and because of this, they think they're getting away with it. They think because God is not acting and cleaning up, the, cleaning up this area and killing people left and right because of their sin, I'm getting away with it. Well, God hasn't done anything to me yet. Obviously, he doesn't care. That's a wrong answer. He cares tremendously. Don't mistake when you misjudge the long-suffering of God. His grace will come to an end. There will be an end of this dispensation of grace. This age of grace that we now live will end. Those that have mistaken God's grace for apathy or impotence on his part are going to be sadly mistaken. What Paul is saying to the Greeks is the same thing I'm repeating to you today. God has been gracious to mankind. 
He has not given us what we deserve, but has shown us mercy. He has suffered long with us. He has suffered true with us and true with our country. You can add our country here. He has suffered with us, but the time of grace is coming to an end. Remember when I said that there would be a time when God could be found? Could this be it? God's grace will come to an end. Yes, he's been more than gracious to us, Paul tells them, but it's time to repent. You've got to change your mind about God and let God change the direction of your life. Don't get caught up in how man perceives God to be. Know the truth about God and his character. If I develop what I feel God must be like, then I think of myself as the most ideal form and as a project from God. Those of you who don't know me know that I'm not ideal. Trust me on that. If you haven't, give me a chance. I'll show you just how not ideal I am. They all centered around man's personality and their ideals. It's important that my understanding comes from the revelation of God himself. That's where I want your understanding of God to come from, his revelation in his word. That's where the understanding comes from. And that's what we need to study, and that's why we always study God's word. It must come from the revelation of him and can only be found in his word, and his word speaks of Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrew begins his beautiful dissertation with this. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had purged himself For our sins sat down at the right hand on the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus Christ. God is speaking to us now through Jesus Christ. He no longer speaks through the prophets and the forefathers. He speaks through his word, and his words declare that Jesus is the Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, the forgiver of sins and will be the judge in that appointed hour. There are many groups who pretend to honor God, but they dishonor Jesus Christ. Oh, we honor God, but what about Jesus? Who? They dishonor Jesus. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God the Father. He is the perfect revelation of God and has proved himself accordingly. When they do this, they demonstrate that they don't honor God at all. They don't honor God. They demonstrate what they don't know about God. So through Jesus Christ, I have to come to the knowledge and understanding of God. And as I come to this understanding and knowledge of God, I grow in grace. I grow more in the Christian life, and I grow more attuned to God and what he might want me to do. And if I'm called to North Jersey to dig pits or or to shovel sand, I go. And if I'm called to to pass out tracks along the Wildwood Boardwalk in the middle of summer, I do that if I'm called to do that. Whatever you're called to do, you do that because you know who God is. He's the forgiver of souls. He's the forgiver of sins. And he's the author and giver of eternal life. And we have that. And we said this last week, folks, and I'll repeat myself. Those people that have lost everything, my heart is broken for them. But if they repair what they have and replace everything they have and still do not have eternal life, what do they have? Nothing. Thank you. Nothing. And that upsets me. That that upsets me. 
That upsets me to think that they're going to go to hell even after we've replaced everything that they've lost. That upsets me. The thought of anyone going to hell upsets me. Upsets me. God has called us by his glory and his virtue to come to him. God's calling all men to come. Come to me. Come to me, those that are heavy burdened. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you rest for your soul. Come to me. Repent of your sin. Accept my son's sacrifice on the cross for the remission of sin. Accept it. Be forgiven. Be born again into a living hope. This is God's plan for my life. It's God's plan for your life. It's God's plan for all of our lives. This is his will to know him, to know him. And Paul had such, such command of this thought to know God. He had such command of this thought and what it meant to know God. One of my most favorite scriptures in Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11. When Paul is given his dissertation to the Philippian church, he says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost. Why? For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. I count them all as garbage. Everything that I've lost, I count as garbage. Why? That I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is God by faith. And Paul says that I might know him. That I might know him. What do you want to know about Paul? What do you want to know about Christ, Paul? I want to know the power of his resurrection. Amen, brother. And I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Amen, brother. I want to be conformed to his death if by any means I might obtain the resurrection from the dead. Paul knew this. Paul had command of his knowledge of God. Do you know God that way? Do you have a desire in your heart to know him better than anybody else? It's not a competition, but God wants you to know him absolutely and perfectly. He wants you to just study him and get to know him and fellowship with him and pray to him and talk to him and be led by him. That's what God wants of us. Because I'll tell you right now, we're, we're, we're ending here. If you go up to North Jersey, if you go over to Wildwood and you do anything, if you start doing anything in your own flesh, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get tired. And you're going to get worn out. And you're going to get disgusted because people are going to say something wrong and they're not going to accept what you're doing or, or whatever. You might even get doors slammed in your face when you try to help someone because that's what's happening these days. If you're not doing that by the will of God, if you're not doing that and following God's command, if you don't have a good, good connection with God, you're going to get hurt. And you're going to get torn up inside. But if you go in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you go in the power of God, God will open doors. God will make a way. And God will show you amazing, wonderful things. Things that he wants to do in the lives of other people. And he wants to use you. He wants to use me in that vein so that we can show these people God's love. Can you imagine walking up to somebody and just hugging them? Just hugging them afterwards and letting the love of Jesus just overwhelm them. They've probably never had that before. How well do you know our God? And do you know him today through his son, Jesus Christ? This is what God is talking about. This is what Paul is telling the Athenians. You know God? Do you know him the best that you can? You are assured. 
You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, even when it cost him his life. What courage in the midst of opposition. Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope.